Support comes from Bellingham's Whatcom Museum with its historic Hall of Birds. On May 31st and June 1st, hosting bird taxidermist and museum preservationist Alice Markham for a weekend of events and workshops. Details and tickets at whatcommuseum.org. You're listening to KUOW, a listener-supported public radio station. I'm Bill Radke bringing you Week in Review here in just a moment. You know, whenever you listen, every Friday, every Saturday, you know you're going to learn something. You are going to be inspired, we hope. We try to to give you something to think about, something to smile about at the end of the show. You'll meet new people. You'll meet local journalists because of the community of givers who have made this show possible. And Mike Davis, we're ending our fall fundraiser in a day. And right now we're working on a goal of raising $20,000 in Less than an hour. That's it, Bill? That's, that's going to be easy. And guess <laughs> too what? Too modest? Oh, that's way too modest because Heidi from Seattle, she's going to match everyone's gift for this whole hour, Bill. So we're, we're okay. going to make that happen. Okay. Doubling your money if you if you call right now? It's already happening. Oh, yeah. We're da- down to $19,000. you are right. And maybe that was $1,000 in one chunk. You they, know? they knew about the, about the match. Yes, yes. And they've doubled their money. Well done. By the way, you go to KUOW.org slash donate. Or you can give us a call, 206-543-9595. Should we start the show? Let's start the show. Okay, it starts with me saying, welcome to Friday. Welcome to KUOW's Week in Review. I am Bill Radke. As I said, we have a panel of local journalists. And, uh, in fact, an all-local, an all-in-the-family edition with KUOW arts and culture reporter Mike Davis here, with KUOW economy reporter Monica Nicholsberg. Welcome, Monica. Thanks for having me. Good to see you again. And KUOW online editor and producer Dyer Oxley. Welcome back, Dyer. Good noon. Good noon to you, sir. Thank you for all the listener-supported work you do. And we are streaming the show, by the way, if you want to watch us on YouTube or Facebook. Just search KOW Public Radio. Uh, We even have a couple of KOW listeners across the glass watching the show. So thank you for all your support. Yeah, they're making the the heart sign that that uh, that my kids have taught me to know so well. Well done. Um, Let's uh, let's get into our first topic today as we discuss the news and uh, and give you some analysis. First of all, voters, you have your ballots, your election deadlines in a week and a half, November 7th. In Seattle, there's a chance voters are going to make some big change. There are a lot of open city council seats. And what are voters thinking about? Well, if you believe a Chamber of Commerce poll, crime is an even bigger issue for Seattle voters this year than when Mayor Bruce Harrell was elected two years ago. In a moment, we're going to hear how city council candidates are talking about crime, uh, and there's a lot of new crime to talk about, unfortunately. It seems there always is. An afternoon drive-by shooting outside a daycare in the Central District this month. Another shooting at the postal shop in the CD where the founder was shot and killed there a year ago. In North Seattle, 14 high school students mugged at gunpoint over the past month. Mike Davis, you have said that the community is begging for more police. I mean, listen to to what you just said, Bill. You have students in the North End being robbed at gunpoint. You had bullets flying in the CD. Um, You go to the South End. We we had this incident at the Safeway not too long ago. I mean, all throughout the city, people are literally begging for public safety. You're, You're hearing voices that you don't traditionally hear ask for the police, literally begging for a higher police presence. And I'm not saying that that's the answer. I don't have solutions. But if we're listening to the community, the community is screaming right now. People need safety, CD, South End, CID, the whole city. That's the thing is you say you're not saying that's the answer. And I think you're right there. I would I would say that's an answer. But that's the problem. I, I think I always hear when these discussions happen about safety and crime within city or any any city other than Seattle so we always seem to kind of like want to have this one answer, you know, this one thing that we can do, you know. So, yeah, sure, hire more cops. But don't think that that's going to cover it all, right? You're also going to need your neighborhood groups. You're also going to have to tackle the, the drug crisis that we're having. We have an organized retail theft that drives a lot of these robberies in the background. The online market, you can sell a stolen phone really quick. Mm-hmm. You know, There's all these different little piecemeal things that we, we have that we should probably be focusing on, but 
Um, I think that's where we get into these little trip-ups with these uh, arguments over what to do is people say, well, maybe we just need to do this one thing. It's like, well, no, you need, to, you need a suite of things that you need to do for all this. Yeah, this is such an emotional topic that I think the, what I feel like is missing from the conversation is data. When I see all these stories, I just keep thinking, like, why is this happening? And there's lots of these theories, which I think, you know, when we talk about solutions, these have, have these theories are underlying them, right? Like, we don't have enough police, or it's these twin crises of the mental health, you know, issues and addiction. But I would just love to see, like, a really thorough, data-backed, evidence-backed explanation of why gun violence is surging so much so that we can start there when we're thinking about solutions. I, I agree. But as a, a, a lifelong Seattle resident, that scares me to death because studies in Seattle, what is, that means we need a committee to put together a committee to do a study and we have to fund the study, right? Yeah. And, and then we get to this place where all of these things are happening. And I also agree with you, Dyer, like, yes, this is a complex issue. We need complex solutions. There are a lot of layers to this. The problem is that people are, are being hurt right now. Yeah. Bullets are flying in the CD right now in the South. Kids in the North End are getting robbed after school right now. So somebody has to do something today. We can't just kick the can down the road. I could probably throw some uh, out of date data at us if we want data <laughs> okay. and totally offend the causation and correlation dynamic. But mm. uh, this all made me think of some reporting I did back in 2020 and followed up in 2021 when there was a massive surge in gun buying throughout the, the country, but especially our region, uh, never before have we seen gun purchases at the rate that we saw starting in 2020. And to put that in perspective, Seattle, just Seattle and our city, led the, na- led the region in gun buying. Every year or so, 2019 has about 66,700 gun purchase background checks. The background check you have to go through to get a gun at a store. That shot up to over 15,000 in 2020. It was around 10,000. In 2021, to put that in perspective, King County, this covers the entire county. In 2019, they did about 15,000. Sorry to get all numbers on you. In 2020, that shot up to 28,000. What this all adds up to is we had a heck of a lot more guns in our communities right after 2020, and they're still there. Those purchases have not gone down. And just another anecdotal example, like that gun that was used in the Ingram shooting, the Ingram High School shooting, that that was not legally obtained. Somebody purchased that. Somebody did not watch that. Somebody did not handle that gun properly, and that made it into the hands of kids. And I, I've a lot of folks, new gun owners out there, you know, love them or hate them. That's a big responsibility you're taking on. And if you don't properly handle that, it's gonna get in the wrong hands. Well, how are city council candidates talking about all this? I brought the election up at the beginning. KUOW's politics reporter David Hyde told us that even the progressive candidates have backed away from defunding the police. Some of the more progressive candidates actually sound a lot more centrist this year. You take Dan Strauss in District 6, that's northwest Seattle. He expressed some interest in defunding the police a couple years ago. And to be clear, if that did not happen, we did not defund the police by 50% or anything close to that. But this year, he sent out a mailer showing himself his arms crossed, and his tagline was, defund the police was a mistake. And then you have Democrats who are considered centrist or more to the right saying that we should reform police. We should invest in alternatives like mental health professionals. So it's there's sort of a, a general move to the center, if you were some, or you could say agreement, more agreement maybe than there used to be. Yeah, well, I, I think everyone knows that we have to do something. I think what we're not hearing is what that thing is or how to do it, right? In all of these council debates, I feel like the messaging has been pretty clear and consistent. They want to hire more police, provide more training for police, retain the police and have more accountability for police. But what we're not hearing is how, because we already have hiring incentives for new officers. Um, the, 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 The hardships with hiring cops is not a Seattle thing. It's nationwide. Like there are plenty of cities that are having trouble recruiting police officers. So that's everyone. So we we need an answer for that. And when you're talking about more accountability for the police, now we're talking about the union and that's Mm -hmm. a whole different conversation. So we're hearing the, the catchphrases, but I'm not really hearing any concrete solutions right now. Yeah. And, you know, 
as Dyer mentioned, if police are just one part of the equation, we also hear folks talk a lot about investing in, you know, crisis response teams that are not armed, mental health professionals. But I agree. Like, I'd love to have somebody say, these are the solutions that have been proven to be effective. This is how much they're going to cost. And this is how we're going to pay for it. And I haven't really seen that beyond, you know, we should invest in these things. Yeah, that's the problem with the suite of solutions. <laughs> is that, 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 that sounds expensive. Our region has a history of not wanting to pay for it, you know. Uh, we for, do? I think of us as saying yes to every I, levy. Well, every... I'm going to bring us back to the 90s when no one wanted to vote for mass transit initiatives. Oh. <laughs> and now, now we're like, oh, maybe we should build those uh, light rails for, you know, a lot more now. In, in contrast, you look at Portland and you can get around anywhere. So uh, that being said, it does always come down to it's going to cost. You're going to have to pay for what you get, you know, and, and we're going to have to maybe move some numbers around to actually make a difference. Move some numbers around, Dyer. <laughs> did you just say defund? Dude, what, no. <laughs> what did you I'm just, I just want to Clearly, clarify. that's exactly that's where I language. was going. <laughs> you will find much more election coverage, uh, including 30-minute discussions between the candidates when you go to KUOW.org slash elections. You're listening to Week in Review on KUOW. Bill Radke here with my colleagues, Dyer Oxley, Monica Nicholsberg, Mike Davis, and topic Number two this week is that Washington and dozens of other states have sued Meta, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram and now Threads. The states claim that Meta knew that its social media platforms lead to anxiety, depression, eating disorders, low self-esteem, sleep disruptions, and attention deficit disorder, and they still targeted kids with features designed to be addictive. The lawsuit also claims Meta collected data from kids without parental consent. Dyer Oxley, you were just telling us that you know something about the attention economy. <laughs> yeah, the the online uh, editor here. Mm -hmm. So I've been in this from the news side for a while, and I've I've worked at it from a few different angles. And, and yeah, there are platforms like Facebook uh, that essentially trying to grab your attention. And then there's people like me on the other end of that trying to abuse that system and grab your attention. And, what do you mean by that? Well, we, I was explaining clickbait earlier yes. before. You know, you, you click on an article because it's so sensational, because it's got a really nice adjective before some other word in the headline. And, and, and it just encourages you to keep clicking and clicking on it. And the, you know, if I'm really going to be critical here, there's a lot of folks reading headlines on Facebook and not reading articles. And there's a lot of comments based off of that. And that's essentially what this attention economy uh, from my angle uh, is it's, it's I just want to say in case you're being humble that I find your work I okay. really like your newsletter and I should I do say not I do not do that be, here yes, <laughs> don't okay. do that that's the great thing about public radio if you want to use that in your pitching there uh, we don't do that here I am um, but I've seen it done before I've seen how it works and Facebook kind of feeds into that we can talk in about how Facebook has programmed in addictive uh, tendencies within their platform but that's essentially what it is. Here's here's the one little trip up I think that folks get with this is that there's always been an attention economy. When I was a kid, my parents wanted me off the TV, right? Yeah. And then yeah. they wanted me off the Game Boy, and then they wanted me out of the comic books, right? The remote control made it so easy to just stay exactly. on the couch and keep infinite flipping. <laughs> but this is where people get tripped up. Is yeah, there were things that designed to keep your attention on TV or on your book, but it's never been at the level and efficiency and consistency that we've seen on you know on on internet on internet or on facebook right now steve urkel eventually was shut off right yeah but that doesn't happen with facebook that scroll keeps going so true. Mm -hmm. and it follows you everywhere you go yeah so Both, i mean literally because your phone is in your pocket but also in you know digitally there's yeah. a, a footprint that is designed to keep you on facebook keep you on instagram in the most like granular way possible based on your personality and vulnerabilities and age and that is a different thing and it's all the screens like you you mentioned steve urkel take it from <laughs> a steve urkel fan back in the day <laughs> you had to watch it when it was on it wasn't on demand right. i couldn't go get clips of it you know, on Instagram or TikTok, like you had to watch it when it was on and when it wasn't, it wasn't. I also think that, you know, where Meta and X and all of these companies have an advantage is that, you know, our kids connect with each other on screens more now than ever. Right. Like I was a gamer as a kid. I had to go to that kid's house who had Mortal Kombat to go play it. Whereas now the kids have it at their own houses and they're playing online. You know, my daughter's playing Roblox with a group of her friends. They're on YouTube and FaceTime. I'm old. 
I don't know how they're doing this, but they're watching things as a group together. So the screen has become so social that as parents, if you pull your kid away from the screen, now you're pulling them away from that social activity that we used to get by hopping on our bikes and riding through the neighborhood. But you're also saying it's not as isolating necessarily as that's one of the knocks against social media. At least it was. But you're saying is that old news that our kids are being social? Do we call it social if they're separate but together? I think it's a yes and. I think it's a yes and. I I, I don't necessarily think that, you know, the isolation, because as you mentioned, they can do it together. But I I do think that it creates um, like the likes Who's getting their picture liked? That's a thing that's affecting our kids' mental health. It's measurable. Yeah. Um, they're comparing themselves to other kids in ways that they couldn't before. When I grew up, I compared myself to the kid in my class. A- a- am I yeah. the best basketball player in my class? Do I have the coolest sneakers in my class? Now the kids are comparing themselves to kids around the world. Am, am I the <laughs> only one here without kids? Is that you might be okay? I guess you well, are. I, I like to say that my dog Cosmo gets very limited screen time. <laughs> the uh, the point here, Mike, you just reminded me of something that there is a very big impact of what we call screen time now, but just the technology that the kids use today. And uh, just to give you a peek into what I talked to my therapist about, uh, my parents were very anti-electronics, very anti-video games, and so forth. And there's a logic to that. I, you know, I don't fault them for that. However. Catching up later on what is now behind our economy, technology, you know, those joysticks are now being used in industry, you know, these things fed into the next generation and keeping your kids out of kind of like the modern method of communication, the modern method of socialization and technology is kind of keeping them checked out for the next generation coming Absolutely. down the line. Yeah, they How can, they can learn the new technology well, if they're running around, if they're taking a hike as kids, they can get a job. Yeah. Well, this is why I think there's a strong case for holding companies instead of parents responsible mm-hmm. for these things that they're making. You know, like we were just talking about this before the show. We were all comparing our chops as like good environmental citizens because Bill has apparently <laughs> abandoned all plastic in his toiletries, which is amazing. Working it's a thing. On it. it's a thing. Uh, but that's just right where they want us, right? I mean, they companies have a vested interest in us shifting the responsibility for the dangerous things that they make onto us as individual consumers. And I think that we have a long history of that in this country, and it's a distraction. Well, legally speaking, we began this with the fact that this is a multi-state lawsuit against Mm -hmm. Meta. We know that the tobacco companies, the big pharma companies, settled for hundreds of billions of dollars. But is it an important legal difference that social media also come with we just described some of the benefits to people and society. Are they addictive in the same sense? And are they, and are they you know, is that idea that the, the, if it's designed for only a, a harmful use, then it's more of a pariah? It's kind of a nail on the head with that. If they're going to be successful with this case, they're going to have to prove that not only are these addictive tactics being used, but that they were designed that way and that they knew what they were doing and when they knew it caused harm, they continued to do it. And that's very – you mentioned the tobacco lawsuits. It's very akin to that. But that all has to be proven. According to what our uh, attorney general has said, Bob Ferguson, there's a lot of evidence and a lot of stuff they have not put out there yet that is going to come along down the line that he says is going to back this up. Right. It should be a very interesting case to watch. Yeah, it reminds me of the Facebook whistleblower who said was... that they did know mm-hmm. that the effects of the of Instagram and, you know, especially I think about some of the filters that make your skin smoother and your lips yeah. fuller and, you know, that they did know the impact this was having on kids especially. And I imagine there might be more materials like that that are going to come out in this case. Yes, we'll be hearing all of that come out in the, the research, the whistleblower testimony in this suit that Washington State has signed on to. You're listening to Week in Review on KUOW. That's Monica Nicholsberg, Dyer Oxley, Mike Davis, part of your KUOW crew, your KUOW family, your the soundtrack to your life and your catching up on the news. I'm saying this because we're going to take a pause here uh, for a moment. I just want to let you know that we are in the midst of an autumn fundraiser, and Mike, we are making shows like this possible if you if you email me with a question you know you the listener if you uh, if you look forward to this get together at the end of the week this is how it's uh, possible by you going right now to KUOW.org or on the phone 206-543-9595 and we're working on raising $15,700 in the next 35 minutes That's and we, some progress we can do this yes yeah. yes we're already chipping away bill so i ask our listeners what part can you take care of? 
$10 a month, $20 a month, maybe a one-time gift of $700 a month. Margaret gave, and Margaret said, KUOW is my daily companion for fact-based news and in-depth stories of people in the news. I can't do without it. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret, to our listeners. This this, is the gift. This could be yours. Mike is holding up a T-shirt. If you're on watching our... on YouTube, yeah, you listen can... local. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I also want to let you know that your gift is going to be doubled right now because of this challenge. Heidi in Seattle knows what it takes. Heidi knows what what gets people to click. Heidi knows that if I double your pledge, then you can't resist. You've got to go to KUOW.org slash donate or call 206-543-9595 and double your money right now. Double double of zero is still zero. So, But if you actually take some action and contribute something to your news habit and uh, a news service you think makes your community better, then you've got twice the power. Yes, and you're listening right now. So we know. We know that you care. Uh, we've heard from all sorts of people this week. We, we've heard from teachers. Galen is one of the teachers we heard from. She gave and she said, as a teacher, I appreciate having factual and comprehensive news available to ensure all of us can be informed and thoughtful citizens. We need KUOW for future generations. We need an informed public. You just heard us talking about social media. There is so much misinformation out there, Bill. This is a place where people can come and get fact-based information. Join us. We're $15,700 in the next 35 minutes. We can do this, KUOW.org slash donate. So, Mike, you just gave all the reasons why people ought to contribute right now. So there's no need for any thank you gifts or any, any incentives at all, right? Oh, oh, we definitely have oh, thank you gifts. Those two? Spe- oh, my. Special, special thank Bill, you, you know I'm the arts reporter here. Yes, I do. As all of you know, I yeah. love the arts. Uh, we have a local artist, Stevie Shaw. You will see her murals all over the city. I just seen one outside of the city. I was in Renton and seen a mural. It was like, that looks familiar. And it was Stevie's. If you want some of that familiarity Mm -hmm. with the local artist, Stevie designed our Listen Local t-shirts. You can get the shirt and a tote bag. It's a beautiful, beautiful combo. So when you're out, everyone will see you. Bellingham, Lake Stevens, Shoreline, North Bend, East Olympia, Snohomish. They've all donated, Bill. Yes. Oh, thank you for all of that, Mike Davis. And yes, the arts reporter, Mike Davis, I've seen uh, Last Drive from Dodge, and I've seen Fantasy A Gets a Mattress, and on and on and on, because when you talk about an arts event in Seattle, I want to go see it. So I love thank to you hear for that you supported the arts, Bill. Let's support KOW right now. Uh, we're going to come right back and continue with Week in Review. That's why you're here, but you're also here because somebody has pledged support. Why don't you join them? 206-543-9599. Or KUOW.org. Support comes from Pacific Science Center, working to inspire the next generation of scientists and increase access to STEM education statewide through digital discovery workshops, science on wheels, and summer camps. More ways to support these efforts at PACSci.org. Support comes from Gather Pottery, hosting ceramicist Sarah Anderson, teaching a weekend sgraffito workshop for all levels, May 18th and 19th at Gather Pottery in Interbay. Learn more at gatherpottery.com. When you join us here on KUOW's Week in Review, you get to find out what happened this week. You might have missed it, or you might have been, you might not have thought it all through. You might want to hear more. We bring local journalists together this week, including KUOW's economy reporter, Monica Nicholsberg, KUOW's online editor and producer, Dyer Oxley, KUOW's arts and culture reporter, Mike Davis. I'm Bill Radke. Thank you for pledging, contributing to listener-supported KUOW, and on with the news now. We're going to pick up this strange story of a Horizon Air flight from Everett headed to San Francisco on Sunday. Full flight, 80 passengers on board. An off-duty Alaska pilot was in the cockpit, sitting in the jump seat, which is common. Alaska owns Horizon. Airlines will often let staff ride in the extra seat, uh, you know, give them a lift. And at first, as NPR told us, everything did seem normal. According to the FBI, the crew said Emerson was chatting casually with the pilots, gave zero indication of anything wrong during the beginning of the flight. But at some point, as the jet moved over Oregon, the first officer saw Emerson throw off his headset and say, quote, I am not okay. Mm. 
The crew says that's when Emerson tried to grab the fire suppression system uh, for the engines. The FBI says the pilot then grabbed Emerson's wrist and physically engaged with him, quote unquote, for about half a minute. The pilot asked Emerson to leave the cockpit, which Emerson did. And Emerson then allegedly told a flight attendant, you need to cuff me, you need to cuff me right now or it's going to be bad. Wow. This guy tried to shut down the engines in mid-flight. The, the crew took care of it, um, kept the plane flying, diverted the flight to Portland. The off-duty pilot got arrested. He told the FBI he had taken psychedelic mushrooms two days earlier, that he had not slept in 40 hours, and that he pulled the emergency shutoff handles because, quote, I thought I was dreaming and I just wanted to wake up. Monica, how did you react to this? Well, it's a chilling story. There's no doubt about that. It is a very rare and unusual thing that happened. So, you know, I think it's important to note that when we're drawing any conclusions. But I think it definitely has me and I think has everybody wondering how many pilots are like white knuckling through mental health issues because they're afraid of losing their wings if they seek help. Yeah, the backdrop there is that the um, the the FAA, the federal regulations say that a pilot can be at least temporarily grounded uh, but the bar is higher than I realized. I looked this up, and y- this would have to be a personality disorder manifested by repeated overt acts, delusions, hallucinations, grossly bizarre or disorganized behavior, bipolar disorder, substance dependence with no clinical evidence of recovery, or mental condition that makes the person unable to safely perform duties, according to the federal air surgeon, based on case history and qualified medical judgment. So it's not necessarily that somebody feels anxious or depressed and and seeks help and they can't fly. Well, yeah, I saw that too. But when you talk to folks with a little bit of knowledge of this, it doesn't seem like that's really the understanding. And so I wonder if there's a chilling effect where it's really discouraged to be in treatment for any sort of mental issue, even if that's not what the letter of the law says. And I just... I think that's very unrealistic in, you know, the year 2023. I think if you try to create an occupation where no one is struggling with any sort of a mental issue, that's not possible. What you're going to get is a lot of people who are struggling and not seeking treatment, which I think is arguably more dangerous. But maybe flying an airplane is one of those rare jobs that have to have different standards from from other jobs, even though a lot of people need help. Most most people at some point. Yeah, I just think those are impossible standards. Mm. It did did make me wonder with anxiety, depression, and uh, relating disorders becoming ever more common. I mean, at what what point are we moving that line? I mean, you can only kind of bar so many folks from from a profession like that. I I would imagine a high-stress job like a pilot – uh, or an air car- traffic controller, for that matter, and a repetitive job, and both high stress job. and repetitive Ex- at the same. And you're away from home, and you're right. Exactly. Well, it, sorry. No, I mean I think you're right. And part of the problem here is there aren't enough pilots, so they're overworked yeah. and overtired. So mm-hmm. if you're creating additional barriers, like are you really solving this problem, or are you making it worse? And, and side note, the, honestly, the first thought I had when I when I heard this story was it, this is this is a serious reminder for all of us that the folks who work in the sky do not deserve your attitude, okay? They <laughs> they can save your life. Because the second half of the story is they got that guy out of the it's cockpit, so and they sent him to the back of the plane where the flight attendants had to handle him and, and put cuffs on him. Cuff? And he tried to get out the emergency door. So maybe you're, you can wait a little longer for that coffee, okay? By the way, this is audio of the pilot reporting the situation to air traffic control. Listen how calm this guy is. We've got the uh, guy that tried to shut the engines down uh, out of the cockpit, um, and he uh, doesn't sound like he's causing any issue in the back right now. I think he's the dude. Other than that, uh, yeah, we want law enforcement as soon as we get on the ground and park. He sounds like when the pilot tells you you can see Mount Rainier on your left. Like, (laughs) we've reached cruising altitude, and we do have a deranged shroom head who tried to take the plane down. He's seated at the rear of the aircraft. He just sounds completely unflappable. Like it was another day. Yeah, the the captain has turned on the no shutting the engines down sign. The captain rustled his wrists. Yes. He got done rustling and just hopped on. And, uh, you know, by the way, I think the, the, the number one thing that jumped out at me about this story and yes the the mental health all of that makes sense but i didn't know a jump seat was a thing i didn't oh. i didn't know that airline staff could just uber themselves around the country just yeah. hop in the cockpit and just fly because this guy is a pilot but he wasn't the pilot he right. wasn't the co-pilot he was just 
riding in the cockpit. They take staff around. They take inspector, you know, FAA inspectors. Why why doesn't he have a seat, like, you know, in the plane? Like, they put him in the cockpit. He was in position to try to shut off the engine when he wasn't even on duty. Oh, well. See, he wants the standards People to be higher. People pay good money for those seats. <laughs> I think that's probably why. <laughs> yeah, right. It was that's a, a good That's a ticket. Yeah. Oh, all these airlines, these airlines and these budgets. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, this this man is being held on uh, dozens of counts of attempted murder and reckless endangerment. And it's not good publicity for psychedelic mushroom therapy either, which Oregon is just in the process of rolling out. Uh, okay, so we'll see what happens to him. Um Let's talk about, uh, you know, we have, again, KOW's Mike Davis and Monica Nicholsberg, and we also have Dyer Oxley here. Dyer, it was uh, because of your newsletter that I find, you write KOW's daily newsletter, which is how I found out that Seattle is being infiltrated <laughs> by Portland. Can you tell me about this infiltration? Okay, I did not say infiltrated. <laughs> However, the silent conversation around KUW kept I kept getting spammed on uh, Slack, basically messaged constantly because uh, you know I did the news Voodoo Donuts coming up from Portland, Seattle mm-hmm. location. Uh, Salt and Straw also from Portland is uh, expanding their footprint in the region, going over to Bellevue. Uh, Stumptown Coffee also from Portland just kicked Starbucks off of Alaska Airlines, and oh, yeah. folks started. <laughs> Start, are we are all these Portland brands like all over the place? Well, is Portland better now? That, is Seattle <laughs> better? And it was just this debate that I've heard so many times, having lived in Portland, having lived in Seattle. Mm. Um, you know, is Portland better? Is Seattle better? What's what's the differences? And 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 just to, to throw on on top of this, some 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 of you people out there are getting your news from a Portland State graduate who has infiltrated Seattle Public Radio. <laughs> so the. The answer to all of this. It's complete. The takeover is complete. (laughs) I I, I don't want to say my answer that I have come to after meditating in many a long brunch lines. Um, (laughs) I would love to hear everybody else's thoughts about what about this whole Portland versus Seattle debate? Do you have a favorite? Is there something that like stands out more to you more than the other? Uh, uh, Seattle. First of all, we're we're number one in the region by (laughs) leaps and bounds. Uh, But, you know. Portland has good food trucks. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. keep it real. You know, you, you go out for a night in Portland, any food truck you stop at is going to be delicious. You might not remember which one you were at, but the meal, the meal will be good. Outside of that, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, salt and straw, they have long lines, but I, I, I'd rather have Molly Moon. I'd rather have full yeah. tilt. <laughs> I think they're better. He's a Seattle guy. I I think they're sisters. You know, I think that the like culturally they're pretty similar. Um, we're the big sister. We're the big sister for sure, and that's actually the biggest difference from my perspective. Like I, so I grew up in LA and I lived in New York for five years before I moved to Seattle. And I remember Seattle feeling like kind of cozy, like it was you know smaller, it was more intimate. And then I went to Portland and I was like, well, this is just a little town. Like you know, it feels really small. And I love to spend a weekend there. And I think there are advantages to being in a smaller place, but it doesn't feel like a city to me as I understand a city to be. I mean. I, you know, no shade to Portland. I I love Portland, but that's my take. Shade to Portland. <laughs> Bill. Shade. I I don't really understand the the Portland. I don't understand the rivalry. To me, this is there's a word for this. I believe it's xenophobia. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's like we don't we don't call it that when we're being xenophobic. We just say, well, I'm just concerned about losing our culture <laughs> and to these outside influences. But I that I get the same uh hair hair on the back of my neck. Like they're just there are yeah, what'd you say? There are sisters. They're yeah, they're sisters. I, I mean that is extreme. But I do actually feel like we as Americans have this problem. Like I always get the ick when when people from cities talk about rural folks or the South in these kinds of ways that are like really critical. And it's like, you know, you you know, it's like not that cool to talk about a whole region as like, you know, less than Um, but a little friendly rivalry between two cities that are very similar at the end of the day. Like I could get into that. Oh, it's even hotter when they're similar. The closer we are, the more somebody on the other side of the country says Seattle, Portland, aren't they the same place? That's all true. Right. That's (laughs) all true. That's the real problem. That's the real. They want to be us. Oh, is that what you said? Is that what I heard you say? See, this is very me. big okay. sister energy right here. This right. is like stop borrowing from my closet. Get your yeah. own identity. You can have it when the hand me downs. Yeah, go yeah. Along. Get your own football team. I don't so, like it when they're Seahawks fans. Yeah, you know what? Part of this conversation too ended up being about like University of Oregon and University of Washington had some kind of 
game. It was about baseball or something, so I kind of zoned out. Point being, I I lean more towards uh, your perspective, Bill, um, in that uh, – forgive me for – if you want to read the full – insights that i threw out on a reporter's notebook this is like our behind the scenes conversations we put in a reporter's notebook uh how, how can listeners get that they want to read this now. oh yeah just go to kuw.org it's on our website and it is uh, a really fun read Would yeah recommend. thank you very much the uh the, here's here's the answer nobody nobody wins okay <laughs> this is a pointless discussion the, the way i see it portland Seattle, you are in the exact same family, and you are yes. riding in the exact same family car, and that family car is stuck in traffic on I-5, <laughs> and you might think that you can get around that traffic by going over to like I-405, but that's also a mess too, uh, yes. and no matter what, whenever you get to where you're going, there's going to be no parking. Uh, which city am I talking about? Doesn't matter. It, it all, it all works. So okay. uh, just to sum up a little bit of an insight here, look, Portland set up Stumptown Coffee, Salt and Straw, Nike Shoes. Seattle, we sent down Starbucks, Mod Pizza, and I'm also going to claim credit for uh, Red Robin uh, for Seattle credit there too. Mm-hmm. Portland set up Bishop's Barbershop where you can get your haircut in Fremont. Seattle st- sent down a whole lot of Ruby, Ru- uh, Rudy's Barbershops. Yes. Uh, you might notice all those Columbia jackets that are around Seattle. Well, sure. we also sent Portland REI. Which in turn sells Columbia jackets. I'd throw out beer examples, but we're going to be honest. All any of you want to talk about is IPA. Uh, Portland has Portlandia and Seattle, still very relevant. Seattle has almost live. I will stand on that one. So relevant. Both cities shop on Amazon and lie to their friends about it. So look the the whole debate about Seattle and, and Portland. We look. We're just we're call us neighbors, call us cousins, call us sisters, whatever. I am from this area. I am from Portland, and it's just all like kind of like one thing. I can I can choose. You can force me. I like my favorite bar in Portland or in Seattle. I got my favorite restaurant in Portland. I can nitpick this stuff, but at the end of the day, it's kind of a wash. This all balances out. Hey, I I can't wait for Voodoo Donut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be there. I, I'm gonna be there. I'll, I'll I will report live from Voodoo Donut. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that settles it. That's Seattle Seattle versus Portland as of late October 2023. We'll keep watching it. You're listening to Week in Review on KUOW. Listeners supported KUOW. Um, you know, this is your go-to for news. I hear from so many people who say that you look forward to us coming together on Friday, not just because we catch you up, tell you things you might have missed, but also because we'll talk it through, we'll disagree we will we will enjoy each other's company. We will find something to smile about. If if any or all of those things is what you love about Week in Review, please be an active, be someone who makes it happen. This is your chance to be that person. KUOW.org slash donate or call us right now. It's the fundraiser. Call us at 206-543-9595. All right. This is the task in front of us right now. Mm-hmm. We'd really like to raise $13,900 in the next 17 minutes. Mm. And, and we're not asking any individual to do all of it, Bill. Okay. No, 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 no. This is a team effort. Just like you see this all KUOW team right here yeah. on Weekend Review, we need our listeners to be a part of our team, too. So we're going to chip away at this $13,900 in the next 17 minutes, and we're going to do it together. Your monthly gifts, $10, $20, $100, $1,000, whatever you can give. Give now in this hour because Heidi's going to match you. Yes. Thank you, Heidi, for matching dollar for dollar your contribution. And uh, let me just underline the word you said monthly because the more monthly gifts we have, the more people sign up for the long term, then the less day-to-day fundraising we need to do on the air like we're doing right now. Let's keep these short and sweet and effective, okay, so that KUOW can predict that money, plan on, invest on that money coming in when you go to KUOW.org slash donate or 206-543-9595. And don't miss your chance. This is the last full day of the fundraiser. This is your only chance to get the the Listen Local t-shirt the tote bag, the combo pack. Bill is going to hold it up for, mm-hmm. for those of y'all on YouTube. Yep. $10 a month, $20 a month. Not only will the shirt be yours, you can ensure more Week in Review in the future, and we all need that, Bill. 
We sure do. Thanks for being part of the solution here. We're heading into the end of this membership drive, and you don't want it to just slip away and have you thinking, oh, I meant to. Because yes. I meant to doesn't really impact the bottom line. That's absolutely right. Yeah. The last day. The it last is so day. important for all of you to give right now. $13,900 in the next 17 minutes, KUOW.org slash donate or call 206-543-9595. Thank you, Mike. You want to you take a break and then t- get back to talking about the news? Yes, yes, let's. yes. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a little break. And while we're doing that, I know you're clicking over to KUOW.org slash donate. You're listening to KUOW's Week in Review. I'm Bill Radke. We're discussing the news with KUOW's team. We've got our online editor and producer, Dyer Oxley, our economy reporter, Monica Nicholsberg, KUOW's arts and culture reporter, Mike Davis. We have discussed some of the big news of the week. We talked about Washington State signing on to the Meta lawsuit. We talked about crime in the city council, and we talked about that off-duty Alaska pilot. Let's hit a few more things uh, that you might have missed this week. Just in brief, we talked a couple of weeks ago or or two or three about that bright red Coca-Cola ad on the Washington State ferry. Some people hated its garishness. The Seattle Times reports the contract with Coke ends in mid-November, And the ferry system is saying after that it will take a pause from putting ads on the outside of the boats. So it sounds like they're, I don't know, they'll take Coca-Cola's money, but they're not so sure that this is something they want to keep doing. Was this because of pushback? Yes. Okay. That's that's what I'm told. Forgive me. I'm going to be the... uh odd man out for this region yeah. just uh, i don't care you just take all the money from it paint paint those things put all the mm-hmm. lipstick on a fairy pig you want i don't care like if, if it gets those fairies running on time and funding them yeah i'm at, i'm at the point where i'm just okay yeah whatever works nah, i agree I, I don't i don't <laughs> see who would complain about this yeah do that if you don't have to tax us more let, it's, let them pay. It's an icon, Mike. And I literally, <laughs> I have a, I have a, a, a Washington State Ferry Christmas ornament. No, you don't. Oh, I do. Bill. Yes, I do. <laughs> All right. So that's you know, it's change is hard. Uh, in other maritime news, two people went missing after going fishing two weeks ago out of Gray's Harbor, and this week some friends were fishing off Cape Flattery, 150 miles north, and they saw a life raft and rescued one of those men. We pulled him on board, and he was just overwhelmed. Like he gave me a big hug, he started crying. So it was, it was kind of emotional. That's John from British Columbia telling King Five News that this fisher said he'd been adrift for 13 days with no water or food other than a salmon he caught and ate. We don't yet know what happened to his comrade or the boat. So it'd be nice to hear another rescue. 13 days? I didn't think you could go that long without yeah. water. Well, he he caught a he caught a salmon and he ate it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, with no water and you can't drink the salt water. Yeah, amazing. So, and a big surprise. I think some people had given up. So that was nice to hear. Uh, another thing nice to hear. Remember the northern giant hornet invasion? This Asian insect found on Vancouver Island in 2019, then down to Whatcom County. KOW's John Ryan told us this week that almost a thousand traps have been set, and they've turned up zero more giant hornets. The invasive hornets are viewed as a major threat to the honeybees that pollinate food crops. There's still a month left in this year's hornet trapping season. Federal officials say the hornet won't be considered eradicated until three years have passed with no sightings. So nice to hear nothing on that front. Uh, Also this week, it's been a big week for Seattle boomers and Gen Xers who rock. We had Eddie Vedder playing two shows at Benaroya Hall, joined briefly by a string quartet. And then Hart announced they'll play New Year's Eve at Climate Pledge. Anne and Nancy Wilson haven't played together since the Tacoma Dome in 2019. And a different Wilson was in the news this week. Perhaps you heard that Republican Washington State Senator Jeff Wilson of Longview was arrested at Hong Kong's airport for having a pistol not licensed in Hong Kong in his carry-on luggage. Wilson says he didn't know it was there, it was unloaded, and then he blamed Portland's airport for not finding the gun before he got to the gate. I should have never been out of security in America. He did us a favor. He found he located our TSA weak spots. I, I don't know if the news is trying to terrify me this week. I, I'm going to be stuck on an airplane for like a day coming up here. And now we got shroom pilots and guns getting through in briefcases. And I'm already you know fearful of, of flying to begin with. This is a very anxious-inducing uh, mm. news week for me. Yeah. This proves that, that Seattle is better. 
SeaTac would have SeaTac would have never let that gun get through Portland's airport. Boo. That is just like them. I will say I have gotten through TSA accidentally with a lot of like you know with like big scissors and like knitting needles and stuff like that. What's your secret? Um, forget being forgetful, <laughs> not thinking. Um, but like I've never forgotten a gun anywhere, and yeah. I am if like either way that's bad. Like if you forgot that your gun was lying around, that's bad. If you're lying about it, like why were you trying to bring a gun? Like know? his gun was in his briefcase. Like yeah. where are you putting a gun? A gun in a briefcase? Where are you going? That's. <laughs> Going to Hong Kong <laughs> and staying in Hong Kong for a while, apparently. Um, so uh, in, in other news this week, we got our first significant mountain snow of the season. And Seattle temperatures in the 30s. It was, I was chilly this morning on the bus. And stations like Cairo 7 telling us to get ready. It's that time of year when you're not only bundling up, but also gearing up for whatever Mother Nature throws at you. Washdot is pleading with people to drive safe and be prepared this winter season. They recommend checking conditions before heading out, having tire chains on hand, fueling up, and packing an emergency kit. Dyer, I know you're anxious about flying. Are you? Uh, are you also upset about th- this time of year Not because we're heading into the wet and the cold no, and the dark? No, this is the best time of year. Huh? This is the best time of year for the Northwest, leading into that you know cold and wet and dark. Now, but this is when we bundle up. This is when we have our Northwest fashion on display. The the time of year to enjoy the Northwest is not when the the sun is trying to kill you. Everybody has this wrong. Okay, you don't get out when you're going to be burned and you're going to be under like tortured. You get out when you can like bundle up. The leaves are changing. The the larches, I the believe. The leaves are dying. Well, yeah, but they're they're beautifully dying. Bill, True. it's it's it, it just They're leaving a good-looking out. corpse. Right. In and when you're hiking out on the trails, it's like the perfect temperature. Yeah, it's, yeah this is true. the time. Best best holiday out of the year, Halloween, right now. Oh, but the, but it's ruining know. Halloween. So like, you know, respectfully, <laughs> you are wrong. <laughs> like, fall is the best time in the Northwest. I agree with that. And yeah. I love Halloween. I like to plant my garlic on Halloween because it's mm. the best. Like, it's, you know, right, supposed to be right before the first frost. And also, it's like kind of spooky, you know, to keep the vampires away. Um, <laughs> and I now I'm late planting my garlic and i don't appreciate it i think it should wait until after halloween because everybody's costume is going to be ruined and it's just too soon it's like that Monica's guess that shows right. up too early for a party I, I lost 15 minutes this morning i walked outside and my car was frosted i had to wait for the defrost to leave oh good riddance with the frost <laughs> did did some part of you think well you know climate change we're gonna have another 70 degree day like were you not were you unprepared for the frost well, it's like, yeah, I kind of have whiplash. I mean, it's been a, it's been too hot in October. Like, it has been unseasonably warm, and that's also freaky. But I feel like this has been happening in recent years. We get, we'll have, like, a day in the 70s, and then two days later, a day so in the 30s. And it's just, I'm, it's, the change is too fast. We have the four seasons, and then we have, like, these two wobble seasons, like, in sp- spring, s- summer, spring, winter. So and then now, in this time of year, it seems like, yeah, we have, like, the really hot weather that's like oh okay and then all of a sudden it's just like snaps that whiplash that you just said and we kind of get cold i think that happened last year it did too yeah and uh you know you're right yeah i had to get up and turn that car on a little bit early uh i had to get a uh, heating blanket to plug in for for nina my wife so that mm. she you know because she <laughs> oh it's that she has time to have the year. car blanket yeah okay. you know yeah that's a good idea oh yeah that's great uh, and finally uh, we'll we'll leave this topic but uh am i the only one who feels halloween is a little bit uh is played out. It's like it's, yes. we have to yeah, say that's, things. That's an incorrect opinion. No. We have to say things are spooky when no part of us actually feels spooked. It's just if if it only lasted a day, it'd be one thing. But it's it would be a day of irony. But it just goes on for like a month. No, I wow. think Halloween needs to last as long as we treat Christmas. The uh, it is okay. it's the best holiday. Of the year. It's fun. It's the fun holiday. You don't have to put up with the with the. Well, politics, religion, Mac versus PC debates that, you know, ruin everything. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. to be forced to get together with folks that, you know, maybe you're not as comfortable with. You, know, you get together for the fun of things. You it know? Is, and it's more complex. You know, it's like spicy food. It's like it's not yeah. just pleasant. It's, it's oh. you know, it brings out more emotions than that. Yeah, what are you doing here, Bill? I'm yeah. not scared. I can't. I, you want me to pretend? Everybody wants me to pretend like a... Like like it's like the ghouls are. Spooky. This is the most low maintenance holiday that we have. <laughs> You're not. There's no grand expectations. You, you you dress silly. 
Okay. Yeah. And you've done it. Okay. Well, since I'm a, apparently a grouch, let's end on giving the listeners something to smile about, as we do every week. Since we mentioned salt and straw ice cream expanding here, you know, they, they often come up with new flavors by working with local restaurants, including Seattle's Izell's Chicken. So here's salt and straw co-founder Tyler Malik describing their newest flavor, cinnamon and honey fried chicken. You have to eat the chicken and the ice cream side by side. So we took croissants and we deep fried them in chicken fat. Um, and then we took all the spices don't want you to do it. that Lewis uses at Azelle's and we combined that with brown sugar and we folded it in, the, in the, these little bits of fried croissants and they're so good. Yeah, it's like all the savory and the sweet from the honey and cinnamon just mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. ground it out. Mmm, that video from Converge Media. I do like, I will try any ice cream once, so I like unusual flavors. I feel like I need to go to the gym just after listening to that. <laughs> Was there anything else that made you smile this week? I'll go. I'll go first, okay. just because we're keeping it within the tradition of KOW Week in Review hour that we have here. Yeah. Uh, a gem of a story landed on my desk this morning, coming from Ruby DeLuna here at KUW. Mm-hmm. After a pandemic pause, Washington State now once again has a champion grocery bagger. Taking the title of the best bagger contest in all the state. They're going on to the Nationals to represent us next year. Grand prize of $10,000. You can uh, read all about that coming up on this afternoon. Something to look forward at KUW.org. Excellent. We only have seconds because we got to tell people we have we have to plead to for you to support KOW. Should we get right to that? Let's do it. That may, that would make me smile if you went to KOW.org slash donate right now because Mike, we're trying to end this pledge drive successfully. And and we're getting there, Bill. But Today is the most important day of our membership drive because today we'll find out if this campaign was a success. And right now we have a big task and we're going to we're going to accomplish this together. We'd really like to raise ten thousand four hundred dollars in the next five minutes. But we, we've cut it in half. Yeah, yeah, hour, that's Bill. true. So, so yay us. But we are not done. I, $9,000 in the next five minutes. Okay. We need all of you to join us. KUOW.org slash donate 206-543-9595. And this would be the easy stuff. I'm glad to say I hear from people, sometimes just out in the community, you know, my dentist or something. Oh, they'll recognize the name. Oh, yeah, I love Week in Review. If everybody who said to me that they enjoyed Week in Review, they weren't lying, were they? They were not lying. Okay, because if everybody who said honestly that they love Week in Review would just make a contribution right now, then we would pass this goal, pay the bills, and keep making a great show for you. And they have the opportunity right now because we know that they're listening. You're listening. You hear us. Some of you can even see us. Yes. $9,000 left. We are chipping away at this goal. Uh, Dennis says, glad to represent my neighborhood, Wedgwood. So hello, Wedgwood. Shout out to Wedgwood. If you want your neighborhood represented, you can join in now, org slash donate. We haven't heard from anyone in Portland yet. I don't know how they're feeling. Yeah, y- yeah about Dyer, Seattle, where's but, Portland? Yeah, but but we definitely can hear from the the superior Seattle region, the yes. older sister. Right now, org slash donate or 206-543-9595. I just have time to say thank you to Mike Davis, Monica Nichols, Bird Dyer, Oxley. Thanks for being on our show this week. Thank you. Our producer, Kevin Kniestet, Bernard Willette on the board, and Thank you most of all to you because there's no show without you. There's no KUOW without you. Thank you for going to KUOW.org slash donate or 206-543-9595. We can reach this goal with you.